OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, are you a smart investor? Of course you're a smart investor. So why are you still failing? Spencer Jacobs here, author of Heads I Win, Tails I Win. He will tell you why, and he will tell you what to do about it. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. How you doing, everybody out there in podcast land? Paul and Stephen in the studio here with our very special friend, Spencer Jacob. And you, Spencer's been on this show, on this podcast before. How you doing, Spencer? Doing well, thank you. And and usually we have you on to opine about some subject that we want to talk about. But uh, we, we have you on for a different reason today. And the reason is that you are now the author of a book published uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Heads I win, tails I win. It's a, it's an investing mm-hmm. finance uh, adv- financial advice book. So congratulations. Thank you very much. I mean, this is a long time sort of goal of yours, or sort of even a, a dream in some ways, right? Yes, I can I can now add uh, add author to uh, the. Uh, short list of accolades that follow my name. <laughs> so uh, you, no, have it more, is. No, you have a, more. Yeah. You have more. You have more accolades. Being, yeah, being, I mean, he's being very yeah, modest. Being very modest. Uh, uh, head of the tape columnist, deputy herd editor. I think you were uh, a ranked a very analyst, accomplished stock analyst, yes, right? Yes. I was. Yeah, I, I, and I, um, I, I take that experience, my first career, um, as well as my existing career, and um, you know. It, I use it in the book or uh, is, yeah. is reflected in, in the book. Yeah, you, I mean, you even, I, I have to ask, you know, in the intro, you talk about your, the discussion you have with your plumber. Right. Um, are you, are, did you get a new plumber or is this, you, you, did you keep the same and hope he isn't reading the book? Uh, well, not that it was after, like that <laughs> critical. I mean, I have to make a, make an on air confession here. Um, the, the plumber who, Came to my house many, many, many times to fix many things, and I spent have spent thousands of dollars with that firm. Uh, after the book went to the manuscript was sent in, he was uh, was fired for Ooh, allegedly really? stealing. I'm not going to say his name, you know, uh, but yeah, he's no longer with the uh, the firm. But my plumber um, was an example of. I gave used him as an example of the, the types of things that I'm asked. I mean, more when I was an analyst, but also being an investment columnist. People are at a barbecue. Hey, you write for the Wall Street Journal? What do you think about the market here? What do you think about Apple? What do you think about gold? What do you think about oil? What do you think about this? And I give them my two-minute speech. It's the, the best speech that I can give, the best investing advice that I have heard, thought of, condensed uh, over – 24 years of doing this, and I, I gave it to him uh, on the occasion that he, you know, he found out all of a sudden what I do for a living. He saw uh, a column that I had written, that uh, I'd won an award for. It was framed sitting against the boiler room wall, and asked me what he thought the market would do that week. I gave him the speech, the two-minute speech about, I don't know if I knew, uh, I wouldn't tell you, and anyone who tells you <laughs> doesn't know what the market is going to do this week because it's unknowable. If you knew for certain or the high degree of certainty, then you would make uh, a vast fortune. However, I can tell you, you know, don't uh, don't be too active, don't spend a lot of money, don't react to uh, to news and a few other things. 
And he said, okay, but what do you think the market's going to do this week? I mean, or, you know, people will say, what do you think about Apple? What do you think about gold? So, unfortunately, 80% of the cases, it, it you know, it makes no impact on people. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping, though, that in a book full of anecdotes, uh, and that's what I'm hearing from people, that, uh, that it, it's the kind of thing that they think that they'll remember the next time they're about to do something boneheaded. That, I mean, that's the whole point of your book is to sort of humans sort of almost get in their way when investing, uh, you know, in their own way when investing. And you're sort of here sort of a plan to sort of stop you from doing that. It, it is. I mean, the advice, you know, there's very interesting research cited in the book, but the book is very much written for the lay reader. Um, you know, I had uh, neighbors, I had my mom, I had people read different sections of the book. And I said, is there anything complicated? Is there anything that you had difficulty understanding? And I kept on going through and going through and trying to make it as, first of all, as entertaining as possible so that people would, would read the entire thing. Um, but also as uh, as simple and memorable as possible. I put um, a lot of anecdotes in there that I, I and that they, they say that humor and anecdotes are things that are most likely to be remembered at uh, at times of stress. Um, and I want people to to think of those stories and to you know rather than dry facts and figures and studies, I you know I do weave those in um, like sneaking spinach into your you know your kids brownies you know. Uh, Oh, that sounds, I, I want that people. That sounds terrible. It sounds like a, well, it sounds like an awful I, I, didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't make it up, but it's you know <laughs> a little bit, so they don't you know know that it's yeah. there. But you know, I. It's you know, the it's the same information, but it, it's presented in a way that I think people are are going to at least more than they do already remember because it the advice is not new, the right. advice is is actually very simple. But unfortunately, it's not very easy because people are hardwired to be terrible investors and to ignore that advice. Why is that? Because it's interesting. The name of the book, Heads I Win, Tails I Win, the the implicit bargain in me buying a book called Mm -hmm. that seems to be, you're going to tell me how I can win no matter what I do. Right. I mean, to get people to listen, you have to appeal to people's greed, unfortunately. And to say... Uh, and I say with no exaggeration, I can probably at least double your nest egg if you follow the advice explicitly and have enough years to, to follow it. I think the evidence is extremely strong. Um, I, I would never write anything I didn't think was true or, or good advice. And uh, I'm very confident that it is good advice. I'm not that confident that people are actually going to, to follow it. But I think people are more likely to follow this than um, than 90% of, of books out there and because of the way – that it's that it's written, um, and I, I guess they're. I hope that they're more likely to to buy it and to finish it too. But people are awful. I mean, it, it is a winner's game, and you're shooting yourself in the foot. And people still do make money, you you know, over the many years in the stock market, but they make a fraction of what they should make because we really should shouldn't be put in the position of of being amateur fund managers. But it is what it is. We are, and the but so that what you know. The, the, but we're not good at it. Our brains are terrible. What are some of the, the more common mistakes people make? So some of the more common mistakes people make, um, there's a, you know, it, it's basically looking um, at risk in the exact backwards way. Um, the Most of the shortfall between, uh, other than high costs, most of the shortfall between a typical investor uh, and what they could earn if they were passive and robotic isn't that they expose themselves to a bear market because everyone's exposed to a bear market. If you're going to put your money into risky assets, you're going to have bad times. You're going to have a Brexit. You're going to have a Lehman. Uh, you're going to have an 87 crash. You're along for that ride. 
what is the, the biggest part of the shortfall is after that, the foregone gains, the opportunity cost is not being along for the kind of the, the lemonade that comes after the lemons. You know, people reduce their exposure or they don't up their exposure and they uh, have a very backwards way of looking at risk. Risk is the source of your return. If you can embrace that risk a little bit more, if you can be, um, you know, stoic and say, hey, this is bad things are going to happen, and then good things are going to happen later. If you um, can, you know, face up to that and be robotic and increase your exposure uh, after bad times and decrease your exposure after good times, too, that's hard to do, too. In 1999, it was hard to then, you know, go back to sort of, you know, boring S&P 500 fund after the market had had its best five-year run ever and go back to your normal allocation. Some people were up to their eyeballs in, in risky stocks, mm-hmm. you know? So um, if, you ro- if, if you can be robotic about it, you'll capture a lot of extra return over the years. It won't always be easy, and it's not always going to work. It's not a magic right. formula, but it's a, it, is like, it does work like magic in the long run. I, you know, I, I think there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break there. For this important message, we will come back right after this with s'more from Spencer Jacob, author of Heads I Win, Tails I Win. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. I'm Spencer Jake about his new book today. I, I, Grocer and I are now jockeying for who gets to ask the first question of this next segment, and, and I'm going to steal it. Uh, Well, because your question I know is going to be very smart and intelligent and is going to need some time to answer. Mine is kind of simplistic, so that's that's my excuse. In our history of doing this show, you've never considered one of my questions smart. He's he's trying to flatter you. Yeah, I'm trying to flatter you. He's trying to to let me down soft. I'm trying to steal it. This is all I want to know. Spencer, how have you enjoyed the last couple weeks of being an author? You've been Got coming in and out of the crawl. office, going all your little interviews. Right. You know. <laughs> How does it feel to be an well, author? Well, I, I hope that everyone listening to this knows that uh, Paul is she also had, an Yeah, author. like, can, can, not, do you want me to leave the room? No, and no, like, no, you guys no, can, no, you know. no, no, this so, is not, no, no. So he speaks, so he speaks from experience. Uh, I have to say that um, I am um, usually a, a pretty relaxed person, but um, I have not been as relaxed, I guess, as I, I should have been. I, I kind of uh, always imagined myself walking into a bookstore the day that my book comes out, picking it up. Of course, it's, you know, stacks of them in the window because it's being heavily of course, promoted, of right? Course, right. And my picture on it and going up to pay for it, you know, and money, and the clerk noticing my picture and saying, hey, you're that guy. Right. And that's not at all the way it is. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of, of work even after the book has been written, which itself was a tremendous amount of work. And so... I'm just now getting to the point where I'm sort of starting to exhale and kind of appreciate the fact that I wrote a book. It was a long, long time goal, and uh, it has made me happy. But I was a little uh, stressed out, I think, around the time that it came out. Not, It wasn't the way I imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just humbled to be in your guys' presence right it's, now. It's all about it's, it's all about you know, the, the it's all authors. Spencer's presence. No, I, I, I wanted to get back to, to the point you were making before mm-hmm. the, the – the break, uh, you know, I remember very clearly in March 2009, uh, you know, a colleague coming in and essentially, you know, I sold all my stocks. Mm-hmm. Like, stocks are going to zero. I sold. I got out. Mm-hmm. And within days, 
we now know the market bottomed on right. March 9th, right. 2009, and has <laughs> what almost tripled. Um, yeah. You know, borderline tripled since then. More than tripled, uh, I yeah. think, right? Um, yes, more yeah. than tripled. I mean, so, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, and, and it's just, it, it's a, it, and that spoke to, like, I think, you know, the advice that you're trying to give in this mm-hmm. book. Um, and just like the advice you hear, as you as you pointed out, from you know everyone, and it's an easy advice to say is like you know just be a long term investor. You know, don't you know don't try to overthink it because mm-hmm. humans regularly sell at the wrong time and they buy at the wrong mm-hmm. time. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, if you look at, um, for example, a mutual fund data, you can see that. Um, you know, I, I sliced and diced data like that just to show that people are constantly zigging when they they should zag. You see, um, it's almost a perfect predictor of stock market or inverse predictor of stock market performance. The amount of money uh, on, in the last two months that has has come out of the market, or the m- amount of money that has gone into the market, people um, cost themselves something like two percentage points a, a year. And to say two percentage points a year—that's a very abstract thing. Yeah, if well, that you look builds. at it, it, it builds up. I mean, you know, if, if I'm I'm a robot and you're a, a normal human, not bad, not good, and we're you know saving, we get we both inherit a, a, a certain amount of money from our great uncle and invest over over forty years. I'm going to have three or four times as much money as you just by not making those types of errors. And the the biggest uh, shortfall comes in the aftermath of, of bad times. Um, and why is that? The, the reason is that the reason for that is the reason that you're alive today is because your primeval ancestors stayed in the gene pool by <laughs> acting that way, right? I mean, saw something good, everyone's going towards it. Of course, you're going to go towards it if you want to eat. Uh, everyone's running away. Probably a good idea to also run. It's going to be a false alarm, but sometimes it's going to be a tiger that that will eat you and take you out of the gene pool. So, I mean, the the ba- sort of behavior that um, allowed us to get this far is is not uh, are not the sort of instincts that um, you know make us very good investors. It just even the way that we um, we look at a loss, right? You 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 know ask a whole bunch of people, hey, let's play a game, uh, let's flip a coin. If a coin comes up tails, you have to pay me ten bucks, <clears throat> you know. And if it comes up heads. Uh, I'll pay you something. How, how much do you want to play the game? And the average answer will be uh, close to twenty dollars, whereas the logical answer is uh, the you know ten dollars in one cent yeah, yeah. or up, right? Um, because people are uh, more pained by a loss than they are pleased by a gain, which makes no sense, you know, uh, when it comes to investing. But that's the way they are, and that's just one of many many fallacies. The price. Of this, you know, there's anchoring. There's, you know, confirmation bias. You, you look for stories that confirm what you want to hear. When we're in a big bull market, and someone's on on CNBC really talking something up, you're going to put a lot more weight on that than Spencer Jacob in ahead of the tape, or heard on the street saying, "Hey, hang on a second, you know, don't get carried away," because you want information that and an analysis that confirms what you want to believe. There's really a sort of a discipline that you have to have to, you know, as an investor mm-hmm. um, and to manage your own money. And you have to sort of take your, you know, you're talking about taking the emotion mm-hmm. out of your, the sort of decision making process. And there's a chapter in your book 
But, you know, I have to say, if it proves that Spencer can take the emotion out of it, <laughs> you describe your commute home. You're going uh, to the, you know, Penn Station. You're walking by the line. Port Authority. Port Authority. Port Authority. That's Port. right. You take the bus. Port Authority. You're walking by the line of people, you know, waiting to buy lottery tickets because it's the jackpot's over $500 million. And you don't buy one, and and and, you, and but the, that chapter sort of speaks to, um, well, first you know the joy kill, right? But also, <laughs> but also you 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 have a bigger point that, and I, I'd like you to sort of get into like okay. the point you're trying to make with that. Well, that I st- okay, so I, that I started to write. I never played the lottery, but I, I except one time, one of my kids, you know, begged me to buy a lottery ticket, so I did, uh, but. I mean, you know, some people play it. It's fine. I understand you do it for fun and and whatever. You got a dream. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm just too too coldly rational. But I already I started writing that chapter, and that chapter is about why there is an extra return from equities and how to think about that extra return. You are exchanging risk for better long long run return. You are exchanging sleepless nights and anxiety for long run return. It, it is that simple. And so I looked at the lottery. Because um, as you might know, the lottery, they give you two choices. They give you uh, the amount that you hear about in the newspaper or they give you a much smaller amount, which is the money up front. The larger amount is an annuity paid for Powerball. It's over 30 years, uh, which uh, only 3% of people take. They take the, the smaller upfront amount because they are you know, greedy and they, you know, they want to have a treasure bath and they want immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're smart about possible future inflation, too. I don't know. I, I would probably take the money up front. But I imagine, what if they offered a, a third option that was much more money? There's never been a billion-dollar uh, single payout in a lottery, but they easily could do that. For example, that lottery that I was writing about, there was huge lines out there. It was one of the biggest ever. They could have said, or oh, here's the third option, $4 billion with a bunch of fine print, probably. You know, that's our best expectation. They could have offered $4 billion because if you tied up the money for 30 years, instead of the annuity that they give you, if you put it in the stock market, then going back to 1871, that would be the sort of the, the median uh, result, uh, the dividends and, and capital gains of uh, that amount invested in the stock market. $4 billion, I, that line would have been really, really, really long. And I bet <laughs> that more than 3% of people would have taken the deferred payout. And if you could could handcuff yourself for 30 years with uh, investments in the, the stock market, uh, maybe you'd be scared and whatever, but it'd be a pretty good idea to, to do that because you will capture that excess return without the ability to hit the panic button and, and change. Um, and so it, it's a way of illustrating that if you can be robotic, the, the more that you can uh, avoid making decisions, allowing your emotions to get into it, be robotic – the better your result will be because you'll be capturing more of that excess return. And it is people actually taking too little risk rather than too much risk that, that costs individual investors a lot of money. It's easy to say and it's hard to do, but that's the truth. You know, we talk on this podcast a lot about what's going on in the markets now and central banks and how things have been you know, manipulated and the markets aren't, you know, they're not open and the banks are pushing rates down and pushing Mm -hmm. people out on the yield. You know, all these kinds of things that we always talk about. Is the the, the advice in this book 
Um, Don't listen to us at all. They <laughs> ignore us. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I guess kind of basically. Yeah, I mean, you hear so much about what's going on in the market right now, but is the advice is the, is the advice in this book kind of past all that? I mean, is is I mean, is there short term volatility that that fundamentally does not matter in the long term? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'll say two things about it. It's a little bit rich, given what I do, you know, to to write a book saying, you know, ignore <laughs> yeah, right. the headlines. But um, one thing is, I mean, that I, I find the world of finance and business fascinating and the ups and downs and all the, the drama. I mean, and I think many people do, too, and they, they can read all about it for that. And people read about business for reasons other than just, you know, stock picking. So. And the other thing is, you know, we had a saying when I was back in the business, if the man wants a purple suit, give him a purple suit. You know, um, you know, if someone – people want to read about what's going to go up and what's going to go down and they want – and I, I make my best effort and you guys make your best efforts to present them with that information in a fair and unbiased way. Uh, it's a hell of a lot better than what you get from a research department at a big investment bank, I have to say, having been on both sides mm-hmm. of that. So people – want that and we're we're giving them that and we do our best effort but yeah i mean i would uh say that that following the ups and downs the ins and outs of the market is likely to hurt you rather than help you in the long run including the kind of blow by blow that that we, that we give or that you get on cnbc uh it's interesting to follow it maybe if you followed in a very contrarian way uh if you had a very unique perspective on things then um and that's a, probably a small minority of people are that way, then you could use the information profitably by going going all in after Brexit, right? Somebody mm-hmm. did that, I'm sure. Right. Somebody. And made somewhere. a lot of money, right? right. I mean, and after someone 87. someone did the exact opposite and got burned completely. You know, more people did that, right? Right. And, and that's what people um, really find. Um, smart people will, and, and the book is written for smart people, and I have smart investors in the title. Smart people will hear that and say, wait a second. We're all even. I mean, my, your loss is my gain. My loss is your gain. And that's true, except that those losses and gains are distributed in a very uneven way. Yeah. Um, you know, eight out of ten people will lag the, the market averages significantly. It's the two out of ten that earn it, plus then some goes into the profits of financial services firms. Uh, you know, why is there a Warren Buffett? It has to be, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of bad people yeah. or bad investors uh, smart people with bad investors to uh, you know to lose the money or underperform so that he can outperform uh, and, not, and now you know where it comes from all right heads I tail heads I win tails I win is the book Spencer Jacob is the author Spencer very happy for you man congratulations thank you I have yeah. to say, I, I, you know, I love the title of the book, too, because and you, we were sort of talking about this earlier, but it feels like a title that sort of draws you in because it's going to be like the quick buck kind of like I'm going to give you this way where you can't lose any money. But, no, this is a really sober, disciplined, like, you know, long view of how you can really take hold of I, I your finances. I think we have to have a whole other podcast to get into how that title came about. Right, Spencer? Um, yeah, that's it's a long story, too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm bracing for the hate mail from people that said, I thought you were going to tell me how to get rich tomorrow. Yeah, know, no, yeah. I mean, it, it, it has that, but yeah. I mean, like, it, right. the book isn't that. Right. The book is actually what people who, who, I mean, you're drawing, you probably are going to draw in the people who need to be reading that book. I guess You, so, you yeah. should have called it Dow 36 trillion. 
<laughs> I, I, I did. That was my, uh, that like was my action. That yeah. actually was my first suggested title, and uh, you know, the editor said no way. Um, so, yeah, no, don't, don't steal that anybody because uh, I, I might use that in the future. <laughs> All right. Uh, Spencer, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Apollo is working to ensure a bright, bold future, financing solutions to some of the most complex challenges the world is facing. Apollo, investing in tomorrow, today. Learn more at Apollo.com.